1: And today we're going to be getting into mental health issues. Depression, anxiety, brain chemistry, all the things that are very hard, can be very hard to talk about. And then when you're going through these things and you're a Christian and you're going to church, everybody looks so happy and you just feel like you're five steps underneath an ant's feet. And there's a level of—there can be a level of shame with with that type of thing because, you know, what's the matter? You don't have enough faith or why are you doubting or why are you you sitting there bawling uncontrollably? And and I'm going to share a part of my story that um, actually I've only really shared publicly once and that was in an article, a blog post, a couple years ago. And as you look at the news— Suicide is a problem. Mental health issues in the church are are widespread. <clears throat> but people keep that under wraps. I mean, we talk about sex and porn and and the intense issues, spiritual warfare, but those are easier to talk about, I think, than often than mental health issues because of what I just mentioned, the stigma. And so what I'm going to do is For those of you who are in a dark place, this show is for you. Please don't give up. And if you're in a dark place where your brain chemistry is misfiring, your struggle with depression, anxiety, or or something else is going on wrong in your body chemistry, your brain chemistry, or there's intense spiritual warfare and you're being attacked mercilessly by the enemy to give up, even commit suicide— Please listen to my words. So I'm gonna get into a part of my story as I mentioned and so Blazing Grace was founded in two thousand. Basically it was just me showing up and setting up a support group for men in a church in Colorado Springs. And then around two thousand four, my sister, who's more of a Buddhist than anything else, said that hey, she was I was telling her that I had this gift for writing. I really enjoyed it, and people were being impacted by it. And the articles I was handing out, she said, well, you should just put it all up on a website. So I thought, all right, I'll try that and see what happens. So 2004, I put up the Blazing Grace website, articles for recovery from porn, sex addiction for men, and healing for wives. And then to my surprise, uh, it wasn't long before we just got um, – we were getting, I was getting emails all the time, and I really didn't expect that. But back then, there really wasn't much in the way of help. And then ministry shot up like a bottle rocket in 2005. I did a radio show in Colorado Springs with two other guys that we ran for around two years. And I was obsessed with the whole ministry thing at the time and wanting to build this big thing. And it was, I didn't understand how draining helping people with this can be because you're doing a lot of emotional output when you're dealing with people in crisis all the time. I mean, people are coming to us with their marriages on their line. Sometimes they're even having a faith crisis, and and I didn't understand how to deal with that, and so I just threw myself all the way in. And By January of 2007, I was getting burnt out. Not getting. I was burnt out, and I went to the Lord, and I said— <laughs> Lord, I'm I'm kind of wiped out here, and what should I do? And he told me, he said, just write. Just focus on writing. And I think if I would have just obeyed him, maybe I wouldn't have had to have gone through what I went through the next three years. And But I didn't. So, like an idiot, instead of just focusing on writing, I hit the gas and set up a conference in Colorado Springs in May of 2007 and <clears throat> we had the conference maybe 100 people showed up and and then right after that I just felt worse than burnout and then I heard the the Holy Spirit saying very clearly stop <laughs> and okay I'll stop and then I went alone to a retreat to have time with the Lord and I'll never forget this the uh, He put this book in front of me called Can You Drink the Cup? And then I realized God was saying to me, can you drink the cup of suffering? And I thought to myself, sure, I can drink the su- cup of suffering. How bad can it be? And then I started having panic attacks and uh, couldn't figure out where that was coming from. And, and then I started going to doctors for help and they were doing what doctors do. Uh, prescribing antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, and not only did that not work, it made it worse. So after the anti, I went through a whole battery of antidepressant medication and and benzodiazepines, which are tranquilizers, and they're a horrible medication. and And then they decided, and the panic attacks are getting worse, and I'm struggling now with depression anxiety and panic attacks and the whole big mess and so they upped their game and started putting me on this cocktail of anti-psych anti-psych meds i mean we're talking about the potent stuff and i kept getting worse and i switched doctors and i was recommended to uh One doctor who was one of the best ones in Colorado Springs, I was told, he immediately put me on a cocktail, and cocktail I think, three or four meds, and that made it worse, and and I'm burnt out, and I'm exhausted, and I'm crashing with depression, and fear is all over me, and anxiety, because now I'm confused, and I'm in this horrible place where my mind is just jacked, going from one place to the other. And, and the fear gets worse, and the panic attack gets worse, and then I'm crying out to God, you know, where are you? What's going on here? And so this went on um, until January of 2008. And what happened was uh, I kept getting put on different anti psych meds and cocktails, and and then finally I got put on one medication. It was an old antidepressant that just basically broke my mind maybe you've seen on some medications where it says if you hear suicidal thoughts get help well that's exactly what started happening to me my mind just somewhat broke and i was hearing these horrible thoughts and and then i ended up in the psych ward and and it was also confusing and terrifying i don't know if you've ever been to a psych ward but those are those are horrible places and thing about the psych ward is um you're with people who some who are dangerous some who are one step away from insanity um and it's some people go to those places and they get worse and so i'm i it's about 11 o'clock at night and I, i go to the hospital and say i think i need help and i tell them what I'm hearing and experiencing and then they take me and put me in a van and they take everything away from you, put you in a gown, so it's somewhat humiliating and, and then they take you to the psychiatric hospital. They took me and then I would spend eight days there and more of the same, uh, <laughs> different cocktails of, of meds, but this time they they went even higher. I mean, we're talking... Big doses of potent medications and so basically, I turned into a zombie, and by the eighth day, they released me and i i it it was miserable. Uh, I went home and i you know i didn 't know if there was hope, and I was angry at God, and i 'm still in this terrible place i didn't going to the psych ward did not resolve anything, but what it did was just basically put me in this. Fog. I mean, or an intense fog where all I want to do is sleep all day, and and I was confused. I was depressed. I was in terror. And then I'm crying. You know, God, where are you? You know, just months ago, I'm running this ministry and helping people, and and now I've, I've crashed to about the lowest place you can get. And I'm wondering if I'm going to keep my sanity and what the heck's going on and I'm struggling with, on top of all this, anger towards the Lord, and then the terror of, you know, is he done with me? And so at that time, I released Blazing Grace to another ministry back on the East Coast. That was January of 2008. And I thought I was done with it. I thought I was completely done with ministry, and I was my faith was in pieces. I was wondering if God was done with me. and And I'm still going to doctor's. Still going. Well, actually, I'm going to this guy. I was told was the best psych doctor in Colorado Springs, and he's got me on the heavy duty cocktail. And oh, it was just miserable. And and sometime in into 2009, so I went through this for a good solid year. And sometimes, sometime in 2009, um, I decided to get a second opinion. And so I contacted a doctor in California, a guy named Earl Henslin, and had a phone session with him. And he told me that what he saw was that a lot of people come out of hospitals and are over-medicated. And a lot of people who are seeing doctors for psychiatric issues, they're pretty much medicated into oblivion. And I'm shaking my head, yeah, 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 that's me. And so he encouraged me to start tapering off, which I did. And all through this time the spiritual battle has been intense every single day. um, Slaughtered with thoughts that there is no hope for you, you might as well give up. The panic attacks, they were still right there at the door, although being medicated into a coma blunted those. I was still riddled with fear. I was terrified that God might have dumped me. And... I had gone to the church for help. That didn't always go very well. I remember going to one church and talking to a counseling pastor and I think I talked for like five minutes and started to tell him what I was going through and then and then he took the next time ta- the rest of the whole fifty minutes of the time he just did a monologue. I couldn't wait to get out there and it was basically a sermon and I <laughs> It was just a waste of time and, you know, you didn't. I didn't feel hurt. If the guy would have just listened to me and be be quiet and then pray for me, that would have helped a heck of a lot more than, than, than what he did. And so and I remember people just get goofy when it comes to having issues with brain chemistry problems. So I remember telling one guy and he told me, well, you know, Jesus, when he was being crucified on the cross, he refused... Um, i forget what it was wine mixed with myrrh or something like that and the purpose was to numb the pain he said well jesus refused that so medication is ungodly and i'm looking at him like are you serious (laughs) and people are just goofed up when it comes to this stuff but all that that kind of stuff all that does is drive people further into hopelessness so if you know, if you're walking with somebody and you don't know the answer, and most of the time a lot of people don't, just listen to them and pray for them. Don't try and fix them. You can't fix this mess. Part of the problem was that I saw a doctor, you know, once they put on the white jacket, they have this aura of a moral authority about them that they're the expert. But what I discovered, the hard way after several years of trying about just about every medication out there was that when it comes to brain chemistry, all they can do is take their best guess. And what they what they do is they try and come up with a diagnosis based on your symptoms, and then they'll apply a certain cocktail based on that diagnosis and then watch and wait what happens. and And if it works, great, but as I found out the hard way, when it doesn't work, it can really mess you up. And, you know, there are people who take their lives because they're – Everything is so out of balance chemically. And then you have to realize what I learned also is the chemical and the emotional and the spiritual are tied together. And Satan does not play fair. He doesn't say, well, Jane there is um, going through a hard time right now. I'm just going to back off. No, what he does is he goes in full force and he attacks Jane with everything he can, every bit of discouragement, fear, panic. Anxiety, all those thoughts with, thoughts with everything you can. You dare not reach out for help and, hey, you need to go to another doctor. And so I was going from doctor to doctor to doctor and not getting anywhere and getting worse. And and I remember, thankfully, prior to that time when I had my, my nervous breakdown, I'd been meeting with a couple of guys for breakfast every Tuesday and – they didn't know what to make of it either, and I'll never forget. One guy said, "You know, everything is man. Man is trying to do to help you is failing, and maybe this is all about God." And and it's true. He was he was really my only hope, but my faith was in pieces because my 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 brain chemistry was so messed up, and I was so struggling with all the depression and anxiety and all the all the all the trauma that goes with. Being on a you know screw your brain up cocktail that I didn't know I didn't know what to do and and how to receive the truth at that time and I was looking for a shred of hope and and so after I talked to Earl Henslin in California and I was still in Colorado at that time I went to the doctor and said look I want to start tapering up off of this stuff and he agreed and so we started backing off getting off of couple medications tapering way down on the doses of others, and uh, lo and behold, <laughs> I start feeling a little bit better, but the spiritual warfare that had been constant from the very beginning did not let up. So I'm feeling a little better in my head, but I'm still covered with this, this cloak of fear and anxiety, and it wasn't going away. And I realized that one of my problems was that I had been running to man for answers, but when you're running, you give you give fear more ground. And that's exactly what I did. I was giving fear more ground. And so it all came to a head one morning. I think it was November of 2009. I was alone in my office. That was when the economy was still tanked. and uh, And then I feel this dark presence in the office that was so thick. Uh, I felt there was a physical pressure there. I mean, it was intense, and it was evil and wicked, and I and I knew the enemy was trying to, not trying to, was trying to come at me, and, and I didn't know what to do, but I knew if I ran to a church and asked for somebody for prayer, it wouldn't work, and that's what I've been trying to do the previous two years. I was running in a man, asking for prayer, asking for answers, nothing ever worked, so I just... I had no idea what to do. This was way out of my league at the time. And so all I did was I just opened my Bible to the Psalms. And I just started praying through the Psalms. And I didn't know what I was doing or, or what was, what was going to happen. But I just prayed the Psalms out loud. And then all of a sudden, after about 15, 20 minutes, the presence dissipated and then vanished and then was gone. And that was the beginning of breaking off of all the fear and all the junk and so after that i started I started getting my strength back, my emotional strength back and and then God was walking with me, he started rebuilding my faith, but there were a lot of what I want to say is there was a lot of terror there was a lot of battles with suicidal thoughts there was there were battles with Uncertainty, because you know, am I going to make it through this or what? And then, you know, where where is God? It was it was my Job moment. You know, Job went through pure hell; he lost his family, lost his business, and then he got his, his he had his health attack. He lost everything, and then all he was left with was a wife who was like, "Give up." <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened to me. Uh, I lost. I was stripped down to everything and almost my sanity, but. And then God starts showing up. I start seeking him with intensity, and he starts showing up, and he's speaking to me, and, and then he shows me one of the most horrible things I've ever seen. And, you know, I, I've shared before how I struggle with sexual sin and pornography and adultery and all that, but all that was nothing compared to what he showed me. He showed me this gigantic mountain mountain of pride in my heart and it was the most ugly, horrible, wretched thing that I'd ever witnessed. It was big, black, dark, and I realized that um, too much of me was in ministry before. There was too much of me wanting to build something up and look good. And, and you know, I at that moment when he showed me all that pride, I hated ministry. I wanted nothing to do with it. I think this was around 2009. I was sick sick to my stomach that that much pride was inside of me. And all I wanted to do was just heal and walk with God. And I, I, honestly, I assumed I was done in ministry. But as time went on, he kept healing me. And I learned quite a bit. The chemical and the emotional and the spiritual are all tied together. So if you have some kind of unresolved wounds or trauma those can manifest in panic attacks and other issues. So if you're going to a doctor and all he's doing is throwing psych meds at you, you're not resolving the root core issues. So you want to understand that you you have to you need help on all three sides, the chemical, the emotional, the spiritual. Diet plays a big part of this. I I went and had some blood work done and they found out that I had a vitamin D deficiency and they also told me that most Americans have vitamin D deficiencies. A vitamin D deficiency contributes to depression. So I ramped up my my vitamin D intake, and exercise is critical. I'd always been an exercise um, junkie, and so that was helpful. And so God walked me through that whole mess, and he allowed me to go through it. And, you know, in John 15, we're told that um, if a branch bears fruit... Jesus prunes it that it may bear more fruit. And when he prunes a branch, he cuts into it. This isn't just a little baby clip. He cuts into the core. And he cut into my core during those three years. Showed me a lot of fear, a lot of anger, um, some wounds that needed healing the pride, which was by far the worst. You know, some people get off on this whole which sexual sin is the worst, and you need to read your Bible if that's what you're asking. I mean, Proverbs, I forget where it is. Maybe it's Proverbs 7. He gives the list of seven sins that God hates the most, and number one is pride. There's no sexual sins even in that list. It doesn't even come close, and, and this is, you know, that's one of the works God did in me is he stripped me down to nothing, And showed me that obedience and humility and trust, even when you can't trust, are more important than having any kind of ministry, any kind of works for God. He showed me he did not need me in ministry. He doesn't need you in ministry. He doesn't need anyone in ministry. He's quite capable of saving the world on his own. So here's the thing. If you're in this dark place right now, please do not give up. There is hope. Do not let the onslaught take you down. God is big enough to get you through. He's allowing you to go through this for a reason. Do not do this alone. You got to have support from people who aren't going to try and fix you, but they'll commit it to you. They love you and they'll walk with you. And then if, if if you're in church leadership position, I really hope That this will get through. There are a lot of people struggling with this. I I mentioned in the uh, over the air three weeks ago, a pastor's wife who committed suicide, and she got she was going exactly through what I went through. We are seeing more and more suicides at at the higher levels at the church, every level of the church, but pastors and youth pastors and Satan is alive and well, and he doesn't play fair. So please do not go through this on your own. Do not lose hope. I've been blessed now so that I've been through this hell that I can help other people who are going through this stuff. And so towards the end of 2011, God started putting the burn back in my heart for ministry. And I'm like, do you really want me to go and do this? And then He's He's said yes. So I went back in and now today um, is the fulfillment of the promise in John 15. We have a great team and more fruit than ever before. And I'm not in this for my own agenda, and I love walking with God and seeing Him change lives. So I want to say it again. Do not lose hope, and we need to open this thing up more in our churches because people are suffering, and I don't think you or anyone want to see another suicide happen on our watch. So we are at war, and we have to go to battle for our people. Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next time.
0: Do you want to be free?